0: Good morning, everyone doing okay this morning? All right, I am. It's good to be alive and good to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And for those of you who might be on that journey of seeking, I trust that you hear about him today and realize that he is the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And that he went to the cross and died for our sins. And if we trust fully in the work on the cross We can have eternal life because of the work he has done, not the work that we can do to get to him. But he's a good God. Today's also a good day in the Brown family. Our older son, Josh, he hates this right now, but today's his birthday, he's 29. Yeah, that's exciting. (laughs) We celebrate his birthday. Uh, That was a great day 29 years ago. It was, and it's still a good day that uh, he's here. Uh, God has given us wonderful children Grateful for that. Um, never forget that day. It was a, a quick, scary emergency C-section. His umbilical cord was wrapped around uh, his neck. Doctors were rushing in the room. And we weren't sure he was going to make it. And by God's grace, he did. And we're grateful that you're here, bud. Love you. Today, as we continue this series of messages, make today count. Let me say this. Peace is available to Christ followers if you want it. (laughs) In this world that we live in, it's a test of our faith and a test to see if we truly trust in our Lord and Savior. A recent survey a few months back revealed that 90% of respondents reported increased worry, frustration, boredom, or anxiety as a result of this ongoing pandemic. People reported feeling stress from isolation during quarantine, worries about their health, fear about their employment, and uncertainty about what would happen to their loved ones. Another survey said that 70% of people worry about having enough money to pay their bills. Parents of school aged children worry about when. Or if schools will reopen. A few years ago, another survey was taken by the Bendenden Health Survey Group to discover the 10 most common sources of worry. These are the 10 most common sources of worry from number 10 to number 1. Just listen to these. Number 10, diet. Number 9, job security, number eight, rent, mortgage payment, number seven, credit card debt, number six, low energy level, number five, overdrafts and loans, number four, overall fitness, number three, lack of savings and financial future, number two, growing old, and the number one worry on this list was overweight. There's two categories that these fall into. One is health and the other is finances. These are universal human concerns that all of us have. These are issues that will be with us as long as we live. But even though they're there, we can stand in peace when life feels like it's falling apart around us. Think about these stats in regards to worry. In the same survey and a variety of others, they were taking the number of hours that people worry in a week. Each week, we spend 14 hours, hopefully not us, worrying. That equals to 744 hours of worry each year which turns into 45,000 hours of worry over a lifetime. That equals 1,885 days in a lifetime spent doing nothing but worrying, which means that we will spend five years of life captured by worry, which means we will have wasted five years of our lives. Today, we see a group of followers of Jesus, like most of us, and those are online, who know that Jesus rules the world, who knows that he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and he is sovereignly in control of the universe, who know that this is the inspired inerrant word of God that we preach from each week, who know that we have all the divine inheritance given to us, the same that we're in Christ Jesus, we have, who know that we have eternal life, that when we breathe our last breath, we will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, who know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yet these same followers who had spent time with Jesus saw him perform miracles close up who walked with him, who, who left their jobs, who left their homes, left their families, and walked side by side and spent daily time with Jesus, find themselves in a situation where they began to worry. Grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four, and we're going to read verses 35 to 41, Matthew, Mark, Luke, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark, ask you to stand as we read Mark chapter four, please stand with me, Mark chapter four, verses 35 to 41, follow along with me and let's read out loud together, ready, read. Read. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You may have a seat. Here's what I know from 58, almost 59 years of existence. In this world, you will have trouble, amen? (laughs) But here's what I also know, knowing Christ in the word of God. In this world, you will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. The truth of the matter is this. Right now, you're either in the middle of a storm or you have a storm coming. Right now, the whole world finds themselves in the middle of a pandemic. Yet in the direst of straits of time, you and I can have peace in the middle of a pandemic. God's peace even when the answers seem like they're nowhere to be found. This text says that when evening came, in other words, Jesus had done all ministry, a lot of ministry all day in verse 35. So he's trying to get away, yet the text says that even some other boats went with him. It was hard for him to get away. He wanted some R&R like you and I want. And as he's getting away, he finds himself in the stern of the boat, the rear of the boat, just sleeping. Let me state the obvious that's recorded here. We will have hardships. You and I will have moments when we'll feel overwhelmed. Paul said he felt overwhelmed even to the point of death. Listen, please hear this out. God does allow us to have things that are more than we can handle. If you hear otherwise, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And the reason he allows them is for our faith to grow and for us to lean on Jesus Christ. This one comes, this squall comes out of the middle of nowhere, Not just because of sinful choices do storms come, but sometimes they come to define and refine our faith. And we will never become the person Jesus intended us to be unless we're refined, unless we walk through times where we have to lean on Jesus Christ. Stop and answer this question before we unpack this whole story. Who told them to go on the lake in the first place? (laughs) Jesus did. Jesus was fully aware about what was about to take place. He didn't try to divert them from walking away from the storm. He didn't try to divert them to walk away from the trouble. He wanted them to to literally take the boat and row right out in the middle of the storm. And the reason it is, because he knew it would help them grow in their faith, but also for them to see that he's in complete control of the universe. So the storm they're about to face was right after doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do, follow him. Verse 37 says a squall, a furious squall came up and the water, it says, broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So visually, we can see this is a legit storm and the water's coming over top filling up the boat. Someone is about to drown. That's what they were thinking. This is the moment where everything you really believe about Jesus will surface. This is the moment where I have witnessed strong men and strong women who said, I believe in God fully. I would do anything for God, literally crumble and begin to say things like you would never hear from someone who is faith-filled. This is the moment where I began to see worry surface instead of peace because people forgot who God was. This is the moment you either believe that God is with you or he has left you on your own. Through the years, I've learned a lot about faith in these kind of moments. These are the kind of moments we ask questions and we rely on God. These are the moments where you've heard me say we need to talk to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves. Because those doubts want to creep in and we need to speak back the word of God and the truths of his word. These are the moments where we say, God, I trust your character more than I do my feelings right now. God, these are the moments where I trust your character more than I do my emotions. These are the times where I trust your character more than I do the news media. These are the times I trust your character more than I do this voice of this group of people who are coming after me. These are the times where I trust your character more than anything. That's what we do in times of storms. This is what you and I should do in the middle of a pandemic. We trust his perfect character. We trust every attribute of our King Jesus and we rely on him instead of whatever's coming at us from out here. And when we do, the text says, there will be peace that most people will never understand. There was no more time for preparation for the disciples here. They couldn't gather. Jesus say, "Can we have another Bible study about faith? <laughs> Can we have another prayer time about trust? Can you tell us one more time about the future? Can you remind us of what you said on the Sermon on the Mount?" This was no more time for any more preparation. They were in the middle of the storm. So everything they believed and had been taught was put into action. You see, storms will come in moments when we think we're not fully prepared. But hear me out, God lives in Christ's followers. So we are fully prepared wherever we go because God is with us wherever we go, amen? It's easy to trust in Jesus and sing great is our God when the bills are paid, when the kids are healthy and you have job security and your marriage is flourishing. But what happens when a warrant of chaos, a certificate of troubled waters, a positive COVID test knocks on your door? What do you trust in then? Worry is an excessive concern over the affairs of life. It's an excessive concern. We should have times of concern. We should have times where we, 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 ch- we need to rely on Jesus because what we see, we can't do anything about it. But we shouldn't have excessive concern. Excessive Concern plays out this way. I can't tell you how many times in my life there's been a great movement of God. Maybe it was a transformed life where someone trusted in Jesus. Maybe it was a worship service where God spoke through us through his worship in the word. Maybe it was a moment where I prayed for someone and they just got saved. And in those moments where God has showed up and he has transformed and literally resurrected the situation that I've been part of, I wanna hit the pause button and say, make sure you see what's happening. I can't tell you how many times after a service of that encounter, someone will come up to me with a concern that they walked in with, excessively concerned, and I ask, do you not just see what God just did here? Are you so excessively concerned about that thing in your life that you're missing out on all that God's doing? You see, when you miss those times where God shows off and shows up and all that's on your mind is getting to someone and say, this is my concern, then you have excessive concern, which is worry in your heart. Worry is defined, listen to this definition. It's an old English word which is defined this way. To strangle or seize by the throat. We literally shut oxygen off to our brains. Hear me out, this is so important because this is what worry will do. It's literally taking your hands and cutting off the oxygen and blood to your brain and your mind. This is the picture of worry. You want to know what worry is? Worry is an attempted suicide on your mind. That's what worry is. You are attempting suicide on your mind. And all through this world are Christ followers who are attempting Suicide on their minds. That's what you're doing. You are strangling off the hope and the oxygen and the lifeline of Jesus to your mind, and you are attempting suicide when you worry. See, that's what worry is. Worry is a sin. It's not that we grab our friends and we coddle each other and say, yeah, I worry too. And you tap them on the butt and say, I hope tomorrow's better. No, if you love someone and you have a relationship with them and they are a dear brother and a dear sister, my Bible and your Bible says to spur one another onto good works and good deeds. You grab a hold of him and say, listen to me. This is who our God is. I won't coddle or let you manage worry because God is still on the throne. I will not let you attempt another suicide on your mind. I love you too much to tell you, not tell you the truth. God is fully in control of you and this world. See, that's what worry does. How many of you have attempted suicide on your mind this week? It's called sin to do such a thing. When you worry, you are living as though God does not exist. Think about that. And you believe that you alone are left to solve your problems. You know who's telling you that? The enemy is. Second, Worry distracts you from the things that really matter in this life. And as long as you worry, you can't do anything else. Worry is a form of idolatry. It really is. It's a form of idolatry. Because the thing you are worried about has replaced God on the throne of the universe. You care more about that thing than you do the God who is on the throne of the universe. It's idolatry, worry. I love Isaiah Brown too, (laughs) our younger son. But I love Isaiah 26, three and four. And here's what Isaiah says. Just, Just listen to this. You can write down the reference and look later. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says this You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And in verse 4, it says, Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord Himself, is the rock eternal. There's this picture of the solid rock called Jesus Christ that we can lean on and trust. The word perfect peace translated in the original Hebrew would be translated this way. If I was to read Isaiah 26, three and four, it would say this. He will keep in peace, peace. Not perfect peace, but peace, peace. Literally, it's a repetition of the word peace. Those whose minds are steadfast. Those whose minds are stayed on him. In other words, everything else is, 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 there's a squall, there's a storm, water's coming over the bow of the front of the boat and the stern of the boat. And it says, those whose minds are stayed or steadfast on you, I will keep in peace, peace in the middle of of the storm. Let me demonstrate that to you. When I was a kid, we would spend many, many summer weekends at Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It's like a King's Dominion or it's, it's like a amusement park. And so we would go there and they had rides that we would get on. And on these rides, there was a ride called the Rotor. And if you've never been on this ride, literally, it was a round ride that had one door that when you walked in and then everyone got to the outside of this circled ride and put their back against the wall. And as you entered in, literally, as... The owls in were built above the rotor. So, as you began to filter into here, you would start up above and you could look down and watch people get on this ride called the rotor. And so, you would get on the ride, they'd shut the door, and it would begin to rotor or spin. But prior to it taking off, the amusement park attendant would say this keep all objects against the wall. Don't hold your arm out. Don't lean your head forward when it begins to spin or you will vomit. So that's what they said. So the goal of the rotor was, as it spun, you would stay back. And then they said this, keep your head pointed up. Look up. And the attendant would say, Don't look down. So it would begin to rotor and spin. And as it was spinning, the floor would drop six feet. So literally, you're spinning and the floor would drop, and people, because of centrifugal force, were held against this. Now, when you tell a 12 year old boy not to do something, Imagine me, huh? So I thought, I am going to see why I can't do what they say I can't do. So first, I stuck my hand, and it was hard. The force, I remember trying to push it out, and it finally got up, and it hit the person right beside me. Just And so I brought it back. But then I thought, well, what would happen if I put my head forward while it's spinning? Hey, I learned my lesson once, Okay. So I forcefully put my head forward, took everything out and boom. And I thought I was going to die. Vertigo, like I've never had it before. My, my head was spinning and I couldn't get it back. And I thought it would be the end of the world. Before I go on, I wanna show you this ride. This is a picture of it here. And by the way, they told you no smoking too while you're on the ride, so. So people would come in and literally work their way down and get on this ride. See how the floor has dropped? And here's the truth about this ride. It's the same thing as Isaiah 26, three and four. If we keep our eyes and our hearts steadfast, on him then we will be in peace peace because he is our hope but if we turn our eyes from him to the pit of hell we are in big trouble I wonder how many of you right now the rotor has begun And it's spinning. And you can feel the floor dropping farther and farther and farther and farther down. And you want to be excessively concerned that the floor has dropped out in your life. And you are more focused on that than on the king of kings and Lord of lords. Here's what I know to be true about the rotor of our lives. It doesn't matter what is falling out below us. We can stand in peace, peace, when our eyes are stayed upon the Lord. That's what Isaiah was reminding us of. See, when we lean and trust in Jesus, absolutely nothing brought our way should rattle us because our minds are stayed on the Lord, the Lord himself. But what was the disciples' response? Verse 38, here's what they said. Don't you care if we drown? These were the inner circle The 12 who gave up everything. Jesus, how can you just lay there and sleep? The floor's dropping out below us. We do the same thing if we're not careful. Jesus, don't you care if my child is sick? Don't you care if my message is, or my marriage is off the tracks? Don't you care that I've been unemployed for six months? Don't you care that I will be all alone again for another holiday? Don't you care that my wife has passed? Don't you care that my girlfriend broke up with me? Don't you care if we might get COVID? Don't you care if my kids can't go back to school? Don't you care about the elections? Don't you care if school activities are canceled? In other words, Jesus, if you cared and you were in control of the world, then this that I'm excessively concerned over wouldn't be happening. Here's what I know to be true, and this is where we need to speak to ourselves instead of listen to ourselves. Jesus cares just as much when the storm is brewing as when there is not a ripple in the lake. Paul would later try to address this because do not be afraid, do not fear is a common thread in the Bible, hundreds of times. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7, here's what he says. This is from the NIV, I'll read it to you. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, not some of your situations, in every situation, by prayer, by prayer, by prayer, how, by what? prayer, by what? Prayer, with petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's what he says, hear me out. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, not most understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One translation says... Not anything, but be anxious about nothing. Let me define this word because I think it's important for the context, even with this message. This is an utterly exclusive word. You are to worry about nothing because you pray about everything. Worry makes us think we can predict the future when only God knows what will happen tomorrow. That's what worry does, doesn't it? It makes us think that we can predict the future when only God knows what will happen tomorrow and we're supposed to trust him for it. Where he says, oh no, if I do that, then this will happen. And if, and if he goes there, I'll lose that. And, and if, uh, if we don't soon find out tomorrow, then I don't know what's gonna happen. And if I get the positive COVID test, then that means that it means we're trying to predict the future when only God knows the future. Worry distracts us from our legitimate duties, it wrecks our testimony, and leaves us exhausted, depressed, and stressed. Like, give me some of that, huh? We'll pull away as your pastor. Worry is a sin. It's an attempted suicide on your mind. Don't coddle it. Don't manage it. How do you get by it? By prayer. By prayer. By prayer. It takes our focus off the rotor and the pit of hell that's six feet below us. And it takes our attention and focus. And we have peace, peace, peace in the lord the lord himself because he is the rock fully in control of everything my concern and it's not an excessive concern is that worry is a contagious virus that quickly spreads to others And I think that the virus of worry will do more damage to the homes in our world than COVID will ever do. Can I ask you something? Are you spreading the virus of worry? That's called sin. The word of God says that we can focus on Jesus and find peace. The key is prayer. And when you pray, you come face to face with the God of the universe. It is impossible to worry while in the presence of God. You see, you can't have your mind stayed or focus on Jesus and worry. You cannot be in the presence of his word and in the presence of God and worship and worry, why? Because he is your central focus and hope. It's when we take our eyes off of him and we pay attention to the six foot drop in our lives. Look at this list of prayer. There is an order, but there's a list that all of us need to look at when it comes to prayer. First, he says, petitions. What is a petition? Like, could you define what a petition is? Oh, I'm gonna give my petition to God. A petition is a document you sign when changes need to be made. You are petitioning for a change to take place. It's saying, God, here is my petition to you that you'll change my heart, or you'll change this situation. So when we petition, we're literally writing a document to God and saying, God, change this. Here is my petition to you. It means begging God for what you need to see changed. Many of us have been petitioning God for 90 straight days and handing him a petition, please annihilate this virus. I had a person recently say to me, how can you keep hoping that God will do that? You need to trust in science and not in this petition that you have. It broke my heart. Because if we think we can trust in men more than we can trust in Jesus, Listen to me, yes, God works through men and women, but if we're trusting in science alone and not people that God uses with bright minds more than God, and if we think that our God can't annihilate the virus, then what does that say about our faith and our trust in his character? Thanksgiving, he says, petition with thanksgiving. Why Thanksgiving? Worry and gratitude cannot coexist. It's impossible for worry and gratitude to coexist together gratitude and thanksgiving will drive out worry and push back darkness. You've heard me say this. When we share a testimony, John said on the island of Patmos, inspired by the Holy Spirit and the vision that he saw, that we overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when we speak with thanksgiving, you know what happens? It pushes back the lies of the enemy. And request, he says, those are our daily prayers and urgent cries. It's us praying about every little thing. Can I say this about our God that sometimes we forget? God reads the fine print of our prayers. Have you ever gotten a, manu- a, a manuscript, or maybe it's a credit card, or, or something from the. You ever go to sign a mortgage, a loan? And they hand you 700 copies of paper and you just, you sign your name. Have you ever checked into a hotel? Put your initials here. How many of you have really read the fine print? Listen to me. Our God reads the fine print of every single prayer that we utter and he answers them perfectly. That's why we offer requests. And then he says, Paul says, and when we do this, it will transcend all understanding. What's it mean to transcend? It means to rise above or go beyond the limits of understanding. It means that it's notably beyond ordinary limits. It means transcend all understanding. It makes no sense to others how you cannot be worried. Someone must stand in the middle of this pandemic And say, I will not fear, I will not be afraid because I trust in the character of my God. And here's what happens when we do this. When we take the worry by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, request, it transcends all understanding. And then it says, "Here's, here's the promise. It's an incredible promise. And this is the reason some of you keep attempting suicide on your minds. The God of peace will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? What is Satan coming after? He's coming after your heart. And it says that gods will guard our hearts. Another sin, no matter what comes our way, there will be peace. Let me speak to fathers for a second. You're the gatekeeper of the home. Your wife will take your information in because you are the spiritual leader. She takes information in. You make the final decisions for your home. She should have learned to trust you already by your acts. But listen, if you don't guard your home from worry, then you are not the gatekeeper that you need to be. Listen to me, if your wife begins to worry, grab a hold of her tenderly, love her, let her know that you love her, but tell her, baby, we cannot let another attempted suicide to take place in the home tonight. Our God promises, and then take her and pray by petition by request, with thanksgiving, and then your home will be protected and the promise of peace will be on your home. Can I get one amen? Meanwhile, what was Jesus doing during all this? You see, sometimes we neglect to see his position. What's Jesus doing? It says... He was asleep in the stern of the boat. So just picture it, by the way, this is pretty comfortable. He, it says that water was coming up over top and it was beginning to feel the, fill up the boat and they were distressed. and They couldn't believe that he was sleeping. Jesus, do something. And you know why he was sleeping? It's the same reason he is who he is today because what did he know? It says that he got up and said, shh, quit it, storm. Quit it, wind. Quit it, waves. Why was Jesus asleep? Because he knew while he was sleeping, he was in full control of the universe. And he's in full control right now. And at any moment, if God wanted to, and if we pray and ask, he can say, That's it, verse, you're done. He can do it. Imagine this scene, if you can. They're bailing water, they're dripping wet. They're hanging on to the side of the boat. They're worrying. And Jesus said, (laughs) shh, wind, wave. A mind stayed on Jesus allows us to have peace that transcends all understanding or that passes all understanding. I love the word picture here of passes all understanding. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's experiential peace will flood your being. Peace and trust in God will push the wormsome claw of pressure and stress off our shoulders. Hear me out when I say this. This is the crux of what takes place. If the peace of God is not ruling, then some other intruder has entered your home because you chose to worry. Do you hear me? Then some other intruder has entered your home and your mind. Husbands, hear me out again. Don't you dare let some other intruder get in your house. You are the gatekeeper of that home. God has called you to be the spiritual and physical gatekeeper, and when that intruder of worry comes knocking, send him back to the pit of hell. Verse 41 says, "They were terrified." Here's a little significant sidebar here in this text. Even the winds and waves obey him. In fact, the wind and waves were the only one obeying Jesus in this moment. (laughs) Think about that. It wasn't the disciples. It was just the wind and the waves. God's biggest problems in our storms is not stopping the storms, but getting us to believe that he can do it. Here's what I know to be true grace. In Jesus, there's no more hoping in vain. If the peace of God is not ruling in your heart, then some intruder has entered your home because you chose to worry. Oh God, help us to be people and followers that believe I pray, God, that we would let the peace of God transcend our hearts, the the peace, peace, to rule in our hearts and minds. And I pray when the rotor of trouble knocks on our doors, that we won't look down and be excessively concerned with what might happen, but we will set our gaze on you. And through prayer, petition, Thanksgiving request, allow the peace of God to transcend our hearts through Christ Jesus and may our homes never attempt another suicide of the mind. Please, Jesus, set our hearts on you. In Jesus' name, amen.